Good morning. So good to see you. Anybody home out there? One quickie from me, okay? If you're on Facebook, okay, connect with the church's Facebook page, all right? The stuff for Holy Week is starting to show up, and it's extremely well done. Don't tell your wife I complimented her, Jim. It, it popped on my page this week. It's gorgeous. And um, I know that it's hard to, to start looking forward to Easter. We've got some, some Holy Week announcements coming at the end. But Easter's coming. Okay? And it's not... I don't want you to think that the focus of Holy Week is me, okay? You all have ministries that you're doing, all right? Invite everybody to everything, okay? The Monday Thursday service last year, everybody that talked to me about it said how moved they were, and it wasn't because of me, okay? Thank you, and thank you. But do spread the word, okay? And um, plan, plan on spending Thursday night, Friday night, and Easter Sunday morning with us here, okay? Nancy, I will shut up. Well, I have a quick announcement. Just a reminder to all, please mute your cell phones. If you need to take the call, Please step out of the sanctuary in respect to others. And if you'll stand and join me, if you can, in the call to worship. O oh Lord, Lord, incline your, your ear. Mercifully, mercifully consider, consider our worship and listen to our, our prayers. Fill our hearts with a genuine love for you so that we may know the blessedness, peace, and joy that you want for us, and let us rest secure in your acceptance of our service. And the first hymn this morning is number 185, When Morning Gilds the Skies.
Before seating, please greet somebody with a smile and a kind word. Good morning. Good to be seen. Uh oh. You're good. Don't worry about it. It's the, it I, I, would, I would much rather that the conversations go long than there be nothing at all. Hey, somebody other than me. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had the experience or not, but um, I have. Going to a church, particularly a United Methodist church, walking in the door, nobody says anything to you. You go to the sanctuary, nobody says anything to you. Okay, go through the entire service, nobody says anything to you. You leave, okay, or you go out of the sanctuary, there's no coffee. It's not a Methodist church. You got it, Randy. <laughs> There's no coffee, okay, and nobody talks to you. I've had that experience. It's not good. No, it's like, no, Def definitely not, not Methodist, and, and I have some real question about whether or not they were Christians. <laughs> Not Clinton, all right, not Clinton Methodists, not Clinton Christians. Uh, as we go to prayer, um, let's remember each other. We have a lot going on. Um, Greg's last name just left. Okay, anyway, um, please remember Carl. Carl has been readmitted to a nursing facility. He's now at Linwood. Um, Let's remember each other who are dealing with loss. Uh, some of us have lost very important people that we love, and it's not easy dealing with grief. Um, keep, let's keep each other in our prayers, okay? I'm going to parent you, all right? Be exceedingly careful when you're out in public, okay? Because there's a neurovirus going around, okay? Neurovirus, we're not talking upper respiratory, we're talking about bottom end here. And from what I've heard from people that have suffered it, it is horrid. Um, and 
there's the respiratory stuff that we've talked about before. Let's remember those who are traveling. Um, we have a number of people who are going to be um, traveling to the De Goods to extend our care and our presence as they go through their grief process. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware of where it was going. Okay, so there will be a prayer quilt for the goods. So please take the moment to, to stop and, and, and pray. It's like I was trying to say to the, the children um, the other Sunday, the prayer, the, prayer quilts, the prayer quilts are concrete evidence of our compassion, our concern, our love, and God's presence. Yes. Gary Krause was moved to rehabilitation, so he's okay, not Gary. home anymore. And Monday, Roger gets his last chemo, so we're praying that when he rings yes. the bell, they got everything. Okay. I, I have not had to ring the bell yet myself, but... Uh, I have numerous friends that have, and I ask them to describe that moment. There ain't no words. <laughs> there ain't no words. We got one more. Go. A former student of mine, Evelyn St. Charles, was in a car accident, um, and I don't know the details, but just prayers for prayers. her family okay. in Manchester. Um, a name, Evelyn St. Charles. Oops. Evelyn St. Charles. Evelyn St. Yeah. Charles. Uh oh, yes. My girlfriend here, she went down to Paradise. She's still in bad shape. She had three strokes. Now she's got a tumor. And she's only like 66 years old. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so she's in bad shape. Yeah. <laughs> we need prayers for her. Thank you, baby. <laughs> hey, Diane. My baby brother's having knee surgery tomorrow. Okay. But uh, his birthday's today. And he's only 73. So uh, that's a good age. It is. It's I happen to be age. that age. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I'm a little older. <laughs> Dan. Let's bow together in prayer, shall we? Our blessed Jesus, what can we say? There are times when our hearts are heavy, and there are times when our hearts are full of joy. Sometimes, oh Lord, we let the heaviness win and you want us to embrace the joy that you're trying to bring our way. Oh Lord, help us. Help those, oh Lord, that we love, that we know, that are going through so much right now. It's so horrible to feel like we're facing life all alone. And we want to remind each other that we're not alone. That we are here for each other. And that you are here for all of us. There are times, oh Lord, when we do good. There are other times when we just let things slide. And for those moments, oh Lord, 
we come to you in a prayer of confession. Would you join me? We confess our failure to live as the family of God, our lack of understanding, our unwillingness to forgive, our hesitancy to be open to you and each other, as well as our lack of confession. We confess the many times when we are too eager to be better than others, when we are too rushed to care, when we are too tired to be bothered, when we are too lazy to really listen, when we are too quick to judge others, when we are too quick to excuse ourselves. We pray, O Lord, trusting that you will forgive us. And the best part of the prayer of confession is simply because we've embraced the words, God has heard. God pays attention even when we don't. And because God pays attention, and we say we've messed up, God will say, I know. Now it's time to do it differently. Now it's time to start over. You messed up. I love you still. You messed up. You're mine. Not that I'm going to punish you, but I'm going to love you beyond your wildest dreams. Know that God loves you and forgives you because you asked. You are forgiven. Thank you. Now, it becomes increasingly important as we head for Easter, okay, that we take time to forgive each other. So if you would, take just a moment, okay, and turn to the person next to you and say, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Yes. Thank you. Nancy, I need that so bad. Because I mess up so much. Could we take a few moments for silent prayers? For God speaks in turn during prayer. Amen. Please join me in the affirmation of faith. I believe Be in the, the everlasting God, Lord of all that is. I believe that God is love and that to be in tune with God 
is to discover abundance of life. I believe in the life, works, and words of Jesus. In him I see God. I believe in the church as a people with a mission to help all of us to discover our own gifts and to give us opportunities to use our gifts with love for truth, for peace, for justice, for all God's creatures in all of God's creation. Amen. Please stand and join me in the Gloria. be seated. No? Should I be should I be evil and ask people for a song they want to sing? What do you want to sing for the anthem? <laughs> Page 89. Somebody somebody was loud. <laughs> 89. All right. No worries. Now, being good Methodists, we cannot sit down for this song.
Amen. Good choir. Excellent choir. Would the children come, please? <laughs> Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Good morning. How are you? Good? Okay. How are the you and the big people doing? Are they making you crazy? Yes. We got some no's and some yeses. All right. That's, that's normal. Because sometimes the big people drive us crazy. And other times they don't. Now, I brought something to show you this morning. And it's something from a faraway place. It's a place where Jesus did something that totally surprised everybody. You may have heard me talk about the time that Jesus fed lots of people with almost nothing. That there was Somebody like you, okay, who had some bread and some fish. But there were lots of people, thousands of people. Yeah, thousands of people. And so what happened was the person that was like you gave Jesus his bread and his fish. And Jesus took it and blessed it. And suddenly, what wasn't enough was more than enough. It's important for us to remember that Jesus is always with us. And that when we give Jesus our stuff, Jesus makes it more than enough to change our lives and to change other people's lives for the better. So lonely people aren't lonely anymore. People who don't have stuff have stuff. But there is something that looks like this, okay? It's a art. It's one of the oldest pieces of Christian art that still exists. See the fish? See the basket? See the bread? Okay. This is put on the place where people think Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fish so that they were more than enough. Okay. Now, I wish that I could take you all so you could go and see this in person and touch it. But... When we give Jesus stuff, Jesus makes it more than enough. You can touch it. Would you like to touch it? Okay. Come on. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
we give you ourselves. We give you what we have. Make it more than enough to do all the good that you want to do for the kingdom of God. Hear our prayer. Amen. Thank you. Well, that would be good. Will we see you next week? This spot? Okay. Oh, okay. We have goodies. Yes, you can clap. all the rules of infection control here. If you're able, Lord Jesus, so often we don't give ourselves, we don't give our stuff to you because we jump to the conclusion that we're not enough for what you want to do. Help us to let you decide. Help us to give you ourselves, give you our gifts. And somehow, O oh Lord, make everything more than enough for the glory of the kingdom of God. 
Hear our prayer. Amen. Our hymn of preparation for this morning is number 297. Sung, you may be seated. The scripture's focus for this morning is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. Please take the time to read the whole of the chapter. The focus is going to be verse 37. But he, that is Jesus, answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, are we to go and buy 200 days wages worth of bread and give it to them to eat? Question mark. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Where did the loaves and fishes get to? There? Did you? Okay. That's, everybody get a, get a chance to, okay, thank you. There are two things that I kept by my bedside for the longest time. One of the things that changed when we moved from, did I ever tell you that we lived in the same house for 40 years? Well, we did. Okay. But most of that time, Okay, there were two things next to my bed. They matched this. One was a chalice, 
and the other was a patent. The patent, okay, is the plate that communion bread is served on. I could see them when I got up in the morning, and I would see them when I went to bed at night. This design on them was a reminder. First, they remind me of the trip Susie and I took to the Holy Land. They remind me of our stop at a place called the Church of the Multiplication of the Loaves and Fishes. What a sweet name for a church. It's a beautiful church. It's near the Sea of Galilee. It was built at the spot, tradition says, where Jesus fed the thousands with the five loaves and the two fish. The altar inside the church is over a rock. Okay? You can't see much of the rock because there's 2,000 years of dirt that have accumulated around the rock. Okay? But there's a rock. Okay? That probably was more like this high. And tradition says that Jesus set the loaves and the fish on the rock and blessed them before he broke them for the crowd. Now, there's no way of knowing for sure if that's true. Christians have visited that stone for more than 17 centuries, and they come to remember what Jesus has done. For about 15 centuries, there's been a mural of the loaves and fish and a basket near the stone. The mural was hidden by debris for about 13 centuries. It was uncovered and restored in the 1930s. Now, the second thing that the chalice and patent remind me of is an important spiritual truth. Whatever I put in Jesus' hands will become more than enough to meet whatever situation I may face. The need will be more than met if I trust what I have to Jesus' hands and let him do his thing his way. When we get down to it, the loaves and fishes are what our discipleship is about. Jesus calls us to follow him. Do you ever notice, especially in Mark, Jesus runs people down, okay? He shows up at work, <laughs> okay? Jesus starts our relationship. He comes after us. Jesus calls us, and then we decide whether we will follow or not. Occasionally, I ask myself, and I ask other people, so this guy that looks like he works in a Ford plant walks up to me and he says, Mike, I want you to sell, give everything you have away. Sell everything, turn it into money, and give the money away to people who really need it. Would I do it? I don't think so. 2,000 years ago, Carpenter shows up on a beach. Your dad is hassling you because you haven't mended the nets yet. You fished, you fished all night, Bob. <laughs> and you didn't get anything. 
<laughs> okay. And he says, come here. And you do it. You know that dad's got to be you know what because you left the nets. But you do it. And you keep following this guy. And you see him do things that are unimaginable. Sick people get healed. Hungry people get fed. Dead people get raised to life. And then the guy says, you, go do likewise. Yes, that would be a throat-clearing moment. <laughs> I'm sorry for picking on whoever did that. But it, good, a good example for the sermon. Okay. Now, Jesus does more than tell us what to do. Jesus shows us how to do what we are meant to do. One of the things you've heard me say repeatedly is Jesus always goes first. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't already done. We are to spend time learning from Jesus and living like Jesus. Jesus will teach. Wherever you see in English in the New Testament, teacher, okay, the Hebrew is rabbi. The question is, will we learn? Will we learn what Jesus wants us to learn? Will we learn to turn to God? Will we learn to trust God? Notice I'm saying we, because these are lessons I have to learn too. The disciples closest to Jesus thought it showed enough faith and concern to see people's need and to tell Jesus about it. Jesus, wow, look at all these hungry people. They sure need something to eat. Hmm. Jesus made it clear that that really isn't enough. Jesus said, you give them. You do something right here, right now. And the disciples said, huh? Think about that day. Make a picture in your mind. You've been with Jesus for a couple of days. Whatever you brought along with you to eat is gone. You've probably been at least a day, maybe two days without food. You've been sitting listening to him teach, seeing him heal people. And it's time to go home. You give them. You do something right here, right now. How often when we go to Jesus with, with something that we see as a need, do we expect to Jesus to jump? What happened this day? Jesus said, hey, you see it, I see it, do something. Now you read the whole description of what happened that day, okay, the disciples pulled off a totally unmonumental thing. Yo, Jesus, I found a kid with the lunch his mama made him. He's got three pita and two fish. 
What's that amongst so many people? How much do you make a day? Don't tell me. Don't say it out loud. How much do you make a day? But the disciples could only think what wasn't there. The disciples said, what? How are we going to give these people food? You want us to go and spend two-thirds of a year's wage to give each of these folk a mouthful. Jesus said something that flies totally in the face of what economics and logistics allow. There ain't enough. Notice that the disciples could only think of what they didn't have. They saw a real need. Thousands of people were hungry. But they thought about what was not in their hand. They had neither the 200 days wages or access to huge amounts of bread. See why I ask you how much you make a day? Times that by 200. That's how much it would have cost to feed those folk. At their prices for bread. Not our prices for bread. Jesus wasn't interested in what they didn't have. Jesus only wanted what was within reach. And Jesus asked them, how many loaves do you have? Don't guess. Go and see and be sure. Don't you hate it when Jesus does that? Check it out. See what's there. Don't miss anything. They came back with an answer. We got five loaves of bread, and we got more than just bread. We got a couple of fish. Now, don't think big five-pound loaves of bread, okay? Even today, moms don't make peanut butter sandwiches out of a full loaf of bread. She made the equivalent of what we call pita, okay? You could hold one of them in your hand, no problem. Fold it, okay? The kid probably thought, I'm going to take this bread and I'm going to wrap my fish in it and I'm going to eat it. Instead, he gave it to Jesus. Neither by themselves, neither the bread or the fish were going to be enough to feed the crowd. Jesus must have sounded crazy to his disciples. He said, all right. Y'all sit down, have, have them sit down, we're going to eat. We worry we're going to run out of communion. Have them sit down, we're going to eat. Jesus shows God's power and generosity. Jesus took the bread and the fish in hand. He blessed them. He invited God's, God's power and generosity into the mix. Then Jesus broke the bread and the fish. He divided them up, and suddenly there was more than enough. It didn't make sense. It was a God thing. They all ate and were filled. God took care of the need and then some. My wife likes the feeding of the thousands because she likes it that she was raised to never let anything go to waste. And Jesus says, pick up the leftovers. <laughs> pick up the leftovers. 
Notice the disciples were clueless about what Jesus would do when they put what they had in his hands. I don't know about you, but one of the things that Jesus and I have a problem with is Jesus says, Mike, I want you to. And I go, well, time, how's this going to work? <laughs> I want the details up front. I want to know what's going to happen. What Jesus did was not in response to the disciples' faith or to their accessible assessment of what the need was. What Jesus did by the power of God was meet the real need of the people around him. Jesus started by putting what was in reach at God's disposal. The need was met when the disciples started to listen to Jesus and do what he said. Now, there's a lot of preachers that put themselves in the role of Jesus and they say, just do what I say and everything will work out. No. Just do what Jesus says. That means I got to listen to Jesus too. What does all this have to do with you and me? Like Jesus and the disciples so long ago, hungry people surround us. Actually, they're starving people around us. They may have enough or more than enough bread and meat, but they are spiritually starving. They are emotionally starving. The book of Revelation in 3.17 describes them, and it may even describe us. You say, I am rich and well off. I have all I need, but you do not know how miserable and pitiful you are. You are poor and you are naked and you are blind. Ouch. It's for us to see the need. Yes, we have to take that need to Jesus. We also have to learn the hard lesson that it is not enough to take the need to Jesus. Jesus will still tell us, you give him. So what will we give him? Will we give him a stone? Will we give them something cold, hard, and indigestible? Will we give them a viper? You want something to eat? Here's a snake. Bite it before it bites you. Will we give them something dangerous, hurtful, tough to handle? Or will we give them the bread of heaven? Will we give them the one who broke the bread and said, This is my body. Will we give them the one who blessed the wine and said, this is my blood? The real question is, do we have him to give? Amen? Thank you. I was saying to the folk at Sunday morning coffee that a person that I met briefly influenced the way I think about ministry and being the church. His name was Langdon Gilkey. And he wrote what for me was a troublesome little book called How the Church Can Minister to the World Without Losing Itself. He went through all the conservative stuff. He went through all the liberal stuff. And he said, the only way that the church can minister to the world and not lose itself is to stay focused on the one who broke the bread 
and pass the cup. We take this moment, okay, and we isolate it. And that's not something that, at least from my point of view, is healthy to do. What if every time we picked up a piece of bread, what if every time we picked up something to drink, what if every time we sat down at table with somebody else, we let it be communion because Jesus is there. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do we do it only once a month? Then he took the cup and he said, drink all of it. This is my blood. What I'm about to do is going to change the very fundamental relationship between God and all human beings. Remember me. You read through the different descriptions of that last meal, you'll see that in one of them he said to the people around the table, I'm not going to do this again until we do it together in the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Our blessed Jesus, by ourselves, we're not enough. Some of us get stuck with that. We don't give ourselves any value at all. You've put the value on us, and we are priceless. We cannot do everything by ourselves. But with you, O oh Lord, the kingdom of God will come. O oh Lord, that's the good news. That you are here. That when we come to the bread and cup, we become you. And when we leave this table, we are about the work of the kingdom. O oh Lord, You've consecrated the bread and the cup beyond anything any other mere mortal can do. Renew your blessing. And with that blessing, O oh Lord, feed our hearts for the work of the kingdom. Hear our prayer. Amen. Ours is an open communion. All are invited to the bread and the cup would ask that our communion stewards come to help serve. Oops. No worries. Got it? You got it? We're good? Okay. Would you come an avenue to God through Holy Communion? And our Lord said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he said, Drink ye all of this, this is my blood. Now I'm going to ask you to minister in a very practical way as you leave. Would you say a prayer for the goods?
Go in peace. The Lord be with you. Amen. said, take, eat, this is my body, drink ye all of this, this is my blood. said, take, eat, this is my body. Drink ye all of this, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he said, drink all of this, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he would go in peace. And we ask for your prayers 
sins. said take eat this is my body broken for you and then he took the cup and he said drink ye all of it this is my blood do this in remembrance of me One of the things that I like is that often we are very biblical in the way we do communion. Because you read the accounts of the Last Supper, you know the last thing they did? They sang a hymn. If you would, stand if you're able, and let's join together in 393. Fall afresh on me. 
Please join me in the benediction. The risen, risen Lord, Lord has told us, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed will we be if we do his commandments. Then we may reach the tree of life and may enter into the gates of God's great kingdom. Amen. 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 I do have a couple of announcements. Uh, put on your calendars. Maudie Thursday is March 28th. And the volunteers for the Living Supper and the costumes the information will be here next week. And also, line dancing starts again Tuesday. A quick reminder, um, Easter flowers, the order form is in the narthex with an envelope. You can put the form and your money in the envelope and either put it in the plate on Sunday or put it under the office door and we'll get it. They have to be done by the 18th. That's 15 days, people. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, we are having the men's fellowship breakfast this Saturday. We also are going to be discussing, and the men's fellowship does plan on having a breakfast for Easter Sunday. If you would like to bring something, or if you're bringing people, uh, there is a sign-up. The sign-up just gives us a general knowledge of how many people are coming. If you haven't signed up and you wake up and say, gee, I want to come, come. All right? Thank you. We know, this, we know this guy that knows how to break bread and make it last. That's it. That's all, folks. <laughs>